Welcome everyone to the Sacred Hockey Mask. I am Peter and joining me as always is... Lady Shasha, Mrs. of the Snark, coming to you from sunny Orlando, Florida. And this is a horror movie show where we have watched a movie and we talk about it. It's really quite that simple. And in this episode, we are watching our vote winner, our Patreon vote winner, every month on patreon.com slash TV or $5 and up patrons get to vote uh, from a selection of newer released movies that we will talk about on the show. The winner becomes an episode. The runner-up becomes the Patreon-exclusive bonus episode. Uh, and this is the winner from last month. This is Censor, a movie that I saw having some buzz from a few months ago. It came out in, I think, June-ish. And this is a movie about a woman who works at the BBFC, although I think the movie avoids ever saying the name mm-hmm. of the company, of, of the organization. Uh, but, you know, knowing from history, it's the BBFC. And this is the height of the video nasties, which I will define for anyone who doesn't know what that is. I'll explain that in a minute. But uh, she's a censor who watches films and then, like, sort of dictates what should be edited out so it can be released at an 18 rating or if indeed it should be banned outright in the UK. So it is a British movie. And it's a, a Welsh director, uh, Prano Bailey Bond. And I could never have told you from that name if that was a, a male or female name, but it is a woman director <laughs> I have since discovered. And I, I believe it is the directorial sort of uh, debut, or at least feature-length debut, at least. I assume some f- short films have happened. They usually, they usually do. Uh, but there's a, a, the, the the main character of Eden, or e- not Eden, sorry. Eden. 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 Enid, yes. That lovely name. Uh, Enid. <laughs> Uh, has a has a bit of a troubled past where her sister went missing when she was a child and starts to think she recognizes someone who may be her grown-up sister in one of the films that she is uh, viewing to sort of censor, basically. So uh, that is the, the basic premise of censor. We will start spoiler-free, of course, as we always do, and we will uh, give you a warning before we go to spoilers. So... Yeah, that's the gist of it. So I'd heard a lot of buzz. Did you had you been hearing buzz about this before you watched it? On the festival circuit. I saw that mm. it was on festival circuit for a long time here. Yeah, I, I I had just seen some other reviewers when it came out when I hit the internet properly in streaming services in June. Uh, I'd seen some people recommend it and we're, we're talking, you know, giving it some buzz. It's, it's got a distinct poster. I do like the poster a lot mm-hmm. where it's got like that sort of blurry VHS line about two-thirds up, and above that line, it's, you know, it's the, the main character of, of Enid uh, looking, you know, like she does throughout the movie, where she's got, like, these glasses. She looks like she's from the 80s, cause, which is when it's mm-hmm. set, obviously. Uh, but then below that sort of VHS line, you have, like, her holding an axe, and it's kind of like, well, I suppose you could say she's hacking up the film reels with the axe, but mm-hmm. I suspect there's going to be more than that in the movie, and we're going to discover, so... No, I, I was curious about this one, especially since I do, you know, before I even get to, like, you know, if I like the movie or not, I will say the idea of a movie centered around a character who is censoring films in the early 80s in the UK is a really interesting setting for a horror movie. So I like that. And I'll, I'll, I'll explain what the video analysis are in a minute, but I think well, I'll get the the initial impression before I do that. So, Shasha, uh, what did you make? of censor i thought it is a great looking film i think the director has a good eye 
she may have overused the red lining a little too much. I think it becomes less effective if you use it throughout the whole movie. Um, I like the concept, but, but there's a lot of there's a lot of building up to a butt there. <laughs> it, I was bored to tears a lot of times, and it was hard Ooh. making it through this movie. I just felt that it, this the execution was just so like there's a slow burn, and then there's watching paint dry. And this is closer to watching paint dry than slow burn. And for people who aren't familiar with me, my idea of a really great slow burn movie is like something like House of the Devil that had a great slow burn to it. This, not so much. It's, there's, there, there, I do wonder sometimes like where the uh, the subjective and objective line of what a good slow burn and bad slow because I, I think some of it is just a personal taste thing where yeah some movies will come off just feeling feeling just right because you're just so captivated by it but to someone else it's just like like you say watching paint dry uh, which is not to say that i completely disagree with you on this i i think i was a little disappointed because there was so much buzz for this that i was expecting mm-hmm. to love it um i agree I, I think the technical qualities the way it uses vhs looking footage at times the way mm-hmm. it plays with aspect ratio. We'll talk about aspect ratios. I know everyone loves mm-hmm. when I bring up the aspect ratio talk. Um, I love the setting, the character's job, the sort of the the framework for which the story is built in. I do have to say that once the actual investigation of like the backstory that connects to her really kicks in, I do have to agree that it's a little bit, it's a little bit slow at times and not in a good way and. I don't think I'm as harsh as you. I I, I don't think I, I have quite the... It was like watching paint dry levels of apathy. And, and but... I'm surprised at myself because we just recently talked about St. Maud, which you mm. would think would feel slower than this. But I was more engaged in St. Maud than I was with this. I can't put my finger on why, though. I, I think it's... I think it's the type of... Because it's like an investigation movie where like she's presented with a mystery and she's trying to work it out. There was definitely some sort of, sort of metaphors going on related to what her job is that I kind of liked, and there was stuff like that. But ultimately, the actual investigation is is kind of like a noir almost, and that she's trying to like find things. And I don't know if I like the psychological because it's definitely a psychological horror movie, and that there's elements of like her like seeing like more of this film in her head and sort of bleeding into the the narrative as it goes on. You know, some some of that like I think. I like some of the transitions, but I don't know if I necessarily like it as a plot device. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I find it a little bit kind of easy at times. Because um, like the introduction, the start of the movie is great. The, the start of the movie, like you were watching this cheesy 4x3 VHS looking movie, and then eventually it does the thing where it pauses and rewinds, and then we cut to the real world, and it's the full widescreen, and it's it's you know 2.35 to 1, and she's sitting there in a, in a viewing room with her partner, and they're... they're they're debating like how much of a of a gore scene should be left in like you know is, is the eye gouging too much is that and those sort of discussions are really interesting and the opening titles play out over like you know clips of different video nasties and clips of like the media at the time talking about the video nasties and all that was very effective it, it did put me in a mood like i was in a good mood like going into the start of the movie from that uh so but i do agree and i, I do like the lighting and the, the giallo inspired greens and mm-hmm. reds that it uses but I, I do have to say that the actual like looking for answers that sort of then takes place did start to like bore me quite quickly um so 
it's short enough, and I, I have to say I do like the ending. I think the last like fifteen minutes mm-hmm. are quite good. Uh, but I, I do have to admit there is some sag in the middle. I, I wasn't I wasn't that captivated by the actual looking for answers that I'd be hoping for. So, uh, I still I still say good overall. I'd still say I'd recommend it to people to check out because I think it's good enough that people might connect to it more than I did, and people might mm-hmm. uh, really dig it. And, and certainly other people have because there was a lot of buzz for this this summer. But yeah, I'll explain the video nasties for everyone who needs a. And the movie does an okay job of explaining it, to be honest. But um, and I'm I assume you know uh, mm-hmm. a video. Yeah, they, some of the footage that they show at the beginning included real video nasties. It did? I, I, really? Yeah, I wrote it in my notes, but I didn't write the movies down. I wish I would have written the movies down because now I can't remember which movies. I, I mean, they I, were, I, I can't I recognize them. I'm I'm sure there's some some proper horror nerds out there who recognize mm-hmm. every single clip. I I, mm-hmm. I can say I recognize Driller Killer. I recognize a couple. Mm-hmm. They mentioned Deranged at one point, which I've seen. Uh, you know, so but I've not seen them all. And the truth is, and this is one of the funny things about the video nasties, is that. I'd say a good like majority of that list are just shit. They are are not actually mm-hmm. that worth seeing. But because they're on that list, there's a mystique. They were on mm-hmm. the video nasty list. Now, obviously, Evil Dead was on that list, and Evil Dead is a movie that's well worth seeing. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them aren't. A lot of them are just trash. <laughs> and the sad part is, is that they they gave the movies this mystique and this like aura, and that made people want to see them. So, as we see in the movie at one point, yeah, there were there were video rental places who had them under the counter. Like, they had, like, the, the pirated copies under the counter for rental because people wanted to see them. Uh, but the video nasties, it was basically conservative government at the time in the UK. Uh, VHS hit big. All of a sudden, people had VCRs in their homes. And video rentals was this new thing that kind of changed the game. And all of a sudden, uh, Margaret Thatcher, that bitch... And her conservative government wanted to censor and ban movies, and it became this really harsh thing. Where by the time you get to the early two thousands, a lot of like the attitude had changed, and a lot of movies were being resubmitted and passed uncut, and being released in DVD uncut. But things were very harsh at the start of the eighties, and this is like around nineteen eighty three ish, uh, where things were just being slashed left and right movies weren't weren't legally allowed to be in the UK unless they were chopped to bits for the, the more violent stuff. Uh, stuff that had a lot of gang rape in it was just outright banned. And mm-hmm. for the most part, yeah, those movies aren't worth seeing. Most of them do suck. Most of them are just crappy exploitation that are, isn't worth watching, but uh, they have this aura that uh, people seek them out because they want to see all the movies on the list. They made a list that's now famous, but they were well, called... There's one YouTuber that his whole channel is it's just like, well, I wouldn't say whole channel, maybe 98% of his channel is just watching the entire 78 list long uh, or title long video nasties. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where I'm always surprised when I hear, because like, I think if you're a UK horror fan, it's impossible not to hear about this. Uh, but you do meet like American horror fans who have no idea what the video nasties are occasionally. Um, and then you have to explain like what the censorship was like and how it was, because I think one of the things that's weird that people don't realize uh, when they're outside the US is that home media in the US doesn't actually have to be rated. Now, a lot of stores, like I think Walmart and some other stores won't carry a movie on like Blu-ray or DVD unless it has the R rated or the M- you know the MPA rating on the back. Mm-hmm. But 
in the UK or Australia or uh, most of mainland Europe, like, we're so used to seeing, like, if you look at a movie on VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, whatever, you're used to seeing that big age rating on the front, on the spine, and on the back, and it's always very big and bold and colourful, and it's very, like, it's distinct, right? It's really ugly. If I, I could probably... Right. Now, the audio listeners won't get to see this, but um, I've just grabbed a random Blu-ray of Pontypool, which I had sitting on my desk. Yeah. And you can see in the corner, there's a big circle that says 15 in it, mm-hmm. right? And even that's notable. This would have been, if this was p- submitted in 1983, it would have been an 18 at best. But the attitudes have changed, and this is now a 15. Uh, and what's even worse is that because typically all the stuff that's sold in the UK is also in Ireland, which is a, which is a different you know place, uh, they also have the big blue Irish logo in a lot of them as well. <laughs> um, so it's this it's ugly like- logo that takes up a bunch of the cover. Uh, Australia's is the worst though. Australia's this big block on the front. I have a few Australian Blu-rays I could go grab, but... Um, the US is the opposite. You have to look so close. Yeah, you have like to go this. hunting. <laughs> you have to look. I don't, I don't even know if I can get it on camera. It's so tiny. There you go, yeah. It's, but it, it's, it's, it's somewhere in, in, in this brick of text, and it's really, really tiny. Up a bit, up a bit. The, the rating. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, the U.S. covers the the U.S. like DVDs and Blu-rays don't like. Yeah, and it's not on the front at all. Yeah, there's no rating on the front. You have to look on the back, and it's it's a little it's written in white lettering on blue on dark blue. So like, mm. yeah, it's and what's so funny about that? That's why like you know director's cuts or extended cuts in the U.S. are often referred to as unrated because mm-hmm. technically they are unrated. Now they're not usually that saucy. They're usually just some extra scenes have been put back in, but technically they've not been through the mpa so therefore they're unrated and it sounds juicy but they can't call them that in the uk because legally you can't release anything on any platform if it's not been rated well at least until technically recently and by recently i mean the dawn of the internet because the internet's definitely made it a lot more complicated because Mm -hmm. well i put something on youtube that can be watched in the uk that didn't go through the or through sorry through the bbfc (laughs) <laughs> they mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't slap a twelve on it or or whatever it would get based on you know the discussions we have, um so that definitely opens things up and I, I do believe that online streaming services don't need to have a BBFC rating uh, on their media but most of the big ones will do it anyway to play nice with the rules uh mm-hmm. so if you watch something on Netflix Amazon like their originals. Because the movies will have ratings anyway from when they were released elsewhere, but the 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 originals will still be submitted and get a rating um, on those big services. Um, yeah, YouTube's kind of weird, of a weird thing. Like I don't know, I don't know how they how how technically like th- there may come a day where like the BBFC will demand like the British government demand that there there'll be like a rating system in place for something like YouTube, and I don't know how that works when they try to enforce it, but. At I've least. already started doing it on my videos. Like if I talk about a film, like um, what's the last one that I did that for? Like Extreme Horror, when I do a review for Extreme Horror, I'll put mm. a parental advisory before, like at the beginning of my video. Oh, so sh- oh sure. Know but the type of horror that I'll be discussing is like. Yeah, yeah we, we can sort of self do it to a point and we mm-hmm. can, you know, we can, we can sort of list the video as only appropriate for mature audiences. Uh, mm-hmm. which I have only done when I've had like a clip from a movie that's had like a gory scene and just to make sure I'm legally 
in the clear. Yeah. I'll, I'll 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 put that as mature only. Um, which hurts the advertising a little bit, but I'd rather do that than you know potentially get into trouble for letting kids mm-hmm. see you know someone get their eye stabbed out or something. But if they, like if they ever did decide that they have, and maybe this is why they haven't, because it's just impossible to do it. But they would have to like like for it to be BBFC certified. Someone that works for them has to watch it and like tick it off and say this has been certified by someone who works at the BBFC. Could you imagine them having to try and like watch everything that goes up on YouTube? to see if it's suitable for, like, it's impossible, which is probably why it's just not happened, because it's unfeasible, unfeasible to even think mm-hmm. about doing. But, uh, that's interesting. It's an interesting discussion, and it's, it's interesting how technology gets ahead of the system, and how they can't keep up with it, and how they have to sort of reconsider things a little bit. Um, and they, they can't, like, do this for, like, you know, other stuff. Like, imagine, like, all the videos on Instagram, or Twitter, or TikTok having to go through some sort of system, like, the f- the fact is is that they're kind of obsolete in many ways, um, and it's just kind of is what it is. Obviously, there has to be standards. There has to be like you know like snuff movies and stuff just can't exist. Mm-hmm. But that's the sort of thing where that sort of self polices in a way because YouTube has advertisers and YouTube doesn't want to have their advertisers pissed off. So there's 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 lines yeah. where they will not let you cross, and that's good. There should be lines like that. They can't be crossed. There should be things like real cruelty to animals or. Or, or or children or whatever it may be shouldn't be exploited but um it's just interesting to view it through the lens of like how things used to be where everything was so meticulously watched and had to be ticked off and possibly edited to like you know be allowed to be released so anyway the video nasties was a list of movies that they deemed like horrific or inappropriate and either were passed with heavily edited versions or were were just banned outright for years. And in some cases, they were banned for like 20, 30 years. And there's a few films that still won't be passed uncut. Like I Spit in Your Grave, you -hmm. still can't technically get uncut in the UK. Now, admittedly, we're in the 21st century. It's very, very easy to import a Blu-ray if you want to, Mm -hmm. or uh, use a VPN to watch it on a, a foreign streaming service. Like you can get around it very easily if you want to. But technically speaking, there are still films like that that are still cut in the uk uh so also i want to mention before we before we continue about how different countries view censorship uh, of, of different subjects like i've noticed mm. that um with the uk it is definitely more towards like violence gore whereas in the u.s it's more towards nudity and sexuality mm. it's so wild that in the u.s you can make a movie and like blow up a hundred heads but if you show one penis, <laughs> <laughs> they'll be like, no. Whereas in the UK, I've watched regular television shows where people are running around, not necessarily full frontal nudity, but you see nudity on just the regular TV shows like um, The Shameless. And I think there was some nudity on um, Misfits. And it's yeah. not a big deal. And I remember a, a friend of, of ours when the whole Janet Jackson thing happened where she had the mat with the wardrobe malfunction and her breast was seen at the, the Super Bowl halftime show. There were people that were asking me that were from Canada, they were like, why is this front page news? Why is this weird? It's just a breast. Yeah, like it's, 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 it's like, oh, that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a little funny that it happened, but who mm-hmm. cares? Let's move on with our lives, yeah. Uh, now, I, I remember, like, 
as long as it's after 9pm, you can show 18 rated material in the UK on, mm-hmm. on any channel, right? Now, admittedly, it'd be weird if Cartoon Network suddenly started doing it, but uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but in most of the channels that have entertainment aimed at adults, uh, they can do it after 9pm. And what's funny is I, I remember watching like a like a talk show, uh, Graham Norton, who's like one of the talk show hosts in the UK, mm-hmm. he used to do a show back when he was on Channel 4. I, I remember them showing a guy like, uh, they had like a, like a funny bit where the crowd or the contestant was trying to guess who wasn't wearing underwear under a kilt and they'd have mm-hmm. a fan come on and blow up the kilt and when it got to the person who wasn't wearing underwear, you saw it. Like, you saw his mm-hmm. penis. Like, it was on TV. Um, so, yeah, it's, like, they have a harsh opinion about hardcore sex, like hardcore pornography, but mm-hmm. if the penis is flaccid, like, they're, they're pretty easy going about it. Uh, mm-hmm. so, you know, yeah, diff- different, different ideas. And it's, it's, it's one of those weird things where, um, like, like, did the audience know going into that show that, like, there was going to be someone, like, exposing their genitalia to the crowd? <laughs> like, should they be upset about that? Because, you know, there's, there's a lot of conversations about, uh, like, how, how much is, are people comfortable with in terms of nudity and, and mm-hmm. like, a work environment and things like that? Uh, and it's just interesting that yeah, there is clearly an easygoing attitude to no, it's part of the show, so it's fair game for him mm. to have his have his dick out, <laughs> and everyone laughed and clapped, and it was a funny moment that you know everyone anticipated. Um, I, I guess you get away with it just by saying you know this is a this is a show for adults. Anyone who comes needs to be an adult, mm-hmm. and we'll see adult material of some kind possibly. Um, but it's just it's, just, it's an interesting and also it's just the human body. The, the more it's so wild that Americans or America's uh, extreme puritanism has made people do the exact opposite because everything is just so you can't show nudity, you can't show nudity. Then you have like our musical artists constantly pushing that envelope because it's a taboo. If it wasn't taboo here to show your body, then you wouldn't have our artists constantly, look at my body. (laughs) Aren't I being a rebel? Look at my body. Yeah, it is, it is really weird, and it's, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the themes that this movie kind of, is that by mystifying the stuff that's being cut out, by mystifying the movies, you're kind of mm-hmm. creating a narrative that isn't really there, and you're creating kind of this demonic thing that isn't there, or a mystique that isn't, or shouldn't mm-hmm. be there, because, um, yeah, I, I mean, I was still on spoiler-free, so I don't want to get into things yeah. too much. Uh but yeah, to get back to just the sort of the... I mean, I guess we talked about our feelings in the movie. I, we could probably get it as spoilers and probably have to, to talk about a lot of the plot, to be honest, mm-hmm. but... Um, the main character, her her thought process kind of reminds me of the people who blame video games for uh, certain behaviours. She mm-hmm. blames horror movies for certain behaviours in, in I mean, society. That That's very much a direct correlate, right? Because, I mean, video games became the new horror movie, right? When video mm-hmm. games became... In the 90s, when... You know, I think it happened a little bit in the early 90s with your fighting games, with your Street Fighters and Mortal Kombats. But then, mm-hmm. even more so again, after Columbine, there was a big you know, discussion about you know violent video games and all the rest of it. Uh, you know, it's the same thing in the early eighties with horror movies. They they were mm-hmm. looking at them, going, "Ah, oh, this is making people into killers and turning people into, you know." Uh, so, honestly, we're we're at a point now where we're luckily so far past this conversation where there's been numerous studies by people who actually study human behavior, who you know do these kind of things, 
that have just reiterated with every single result that there's no correlation and it just it, you know violent media doesn't actually make people violent like just mm-hmm. the, the people by and large are already disturbed before <laughs> you know maybe maybe like a specific thing in that movie will like be an inspiration for an act but they were going to do something violent before the, the movie didn't make exactly. them violent right it's like that character from scream says horror movies don't make people more vi- or make people more violent they make violent people more creative <laughs> yeah yeah there you go that's the way to put it yes um I, I i always like the joke that violent tv shows don't uh create psychos but canceling them does <laughs> <laughs> which obviously that's just a silly joke but i, I always get a chuckle at it <laughs> um uh yeah yeah fox and some of the sweetest people you ever want to meet are the people who play the slashers oh for like, sure if you ever get a chance to meet like people or, people told me tony todd is super sweet i i've met um kane hodder I've heard Ken Hodder's a nice big guy, yeah. Yeah, he's really, really, really nice. I, I think, I've heard that just about the horror community in general, is that you, mm-hmm. I think there's a natural assumption that because of the, the subject matter that horror movies deal with is that there's a lot of weirdos in horror, and maybe there's some, but by and large, like, the horror, like, like convention community and mm-hmm. all that kind of thing, I think it's maybe because it's people who are dealing with these types of subject matters that people are quite at ease by talking about them. Uh, mm-hmm. that they're actually a lot more easygoing about it. So you tend to get a lot of more friendly, nice people out of it, which is kind of weird. It, it's actually the stuff that's more kiddie. You know, it's the superheroes where you get a lot of weirdos who are so... Oh, yeah. Who believe about it so passionately and get so, you know, into an uproar the second that someone... Oh, there's a woman version of this character now! Where's my mm-hmm. pickaxe? Or pickaxe? Mm-hmm. Pitchfork. Pitchfork. Pitchfork's the traditional mob. Yeah, that's why Utensil. I don't review. I, I mean, I I watch every superhero movie, but I do not review them because I just don't. I don't. I don't want the the attention, the negativity in yeah. the comments because there's there's so much gatekeeping and so much, and you have different types of fans because a lot of these comic books have been rewritten. So you have the fans of the original version, then you have the fans of the rewritten version where the characters have been changed, and it's just it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I've had a bit of an apathy with a lot of superhero movies recently, so I think people think about just Moni and JD and whatever, which is fine. Uh, but, yeah. I don't know. I'll still critique them. <laughs> I'll, I'll still, still rip them to shreds when the occasion calls for it. Uh, but I, I know this, obviously, we're, we're kind of spiraling a little bit into other topics, but I, I think that's why the topic of this movie is so interesting, is because it is so related to our love of the medium in general and mm-hmm. it's about horror movies in some way it's about uh what inspires them what drives people to them and even though the film itself is not critiquing horror movies the film itself is critiquing censorship it's critiquing mm-hmm. the mentality of if you censor something and pretend that it's not there then it festers and becomes a problem and it becomes something else and the, the the happy world you've created by pretending that there is no violence and there is nothing like this is a facade and isn't real. It's, un, it's unhealthy. It's un, unhealthy to just pretend things don't exist. Um, and that relates to the main character and it relates to her own trauma. Uh, so there's a, there's a nice parallel between her job and what her own life has also went through. So uh, th- th- those things are there. Those things are there. And I appreciate. I very much appreciate the concepts that it's playing with, even if I don't necessarily always enjoy the investigation uh, itself. So, I think with that said, we'll, we'll say spoilers and we'll get mm-hmm. into the the premise of the movie. Uh, so, 
like I said earlier, her, her young sister, we find out, disappeared when she was a child. When her little sister was seven and she was like, I don't know, nine, ten, whatever age she was. So, um, we get that she's got a bit of a strained relationship with her parents, uh, does Enid, because uh, they've kind of moved on and they've got a death certificate for her sister. Um, we get a sense that our, our workplace unit is kind of seen as the goody two-shoes. She takes everything very seriously. Everyone else is a bit more easygoing. Um, she kind of is very devout in her belief that she is doing, like, a service. She is saving people by censoring these films and that she is doing the God's, God, God's good work, as it, as it were. Mm-hmm. And things start to spiral because there is a... Well, two things happen. On the outside of her workplace, there's a murder where a, a man eats his wife's face and it's very similar to a scene in Deranged. And because she and her partner uh, were the ones who passed this film with some cuts, uh, they're being blamed. And somehow it leaked to the public or the press that they are the censors, like specifically her and this other guy are the ones who passed it. So she is then the victim of obscene phone calls. Not even obscene, just like berating her and saying she's a monster for letting people see this film. And then the other thing, though, and this is the main thread of the film, is that this uh, producer, uh, played by Michael Smiley, who I've seen in a bunch of things, uh, he's in a few... Um... Oh, who's the director of Free Fire? And, uh... I'm not sure. The movie in the tower and... Uh... Hitch... Not Hitchhikers. Sightseers. I'm... I don't know. I you, don't know who's you, the director. You, you do know. You, I mean, you know these movies, right? You've heard of these movies. Kill List. They made Kill List too, this director. Mm-hmm. I've heard of Kill List. Hold on. Ben Wheatley. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's, he's in a lot of Ben Wheatley movies, as, as Michael Sm- Smiley. Uh, but he's this hotshot producer who comes in and he's submitting another film uh, to, to be classified. And the director, the, the mysterious director, uh, has has requested, apparently, that she herself, that Enid is the one who views it and classifies the film. Uh, Frederick North is the director, this mysterious director who has done exploitation movies. And when she sits down to watch the movie with someone else to classify it, all of a sudden, those weird flashes we've seen in her dreams of her being in the forest with her, her sister as a kid the day she went missing... This movie seems to look a lot like that, like it's based on that event. Um, And it's quite morbid because the older sister in this movie seemingly takes an axe and kills her little sister. And we we do know that she she blanked out the memory of what happened that day and she doesn't really remember a lot of it. And then, of course, the the killer, this this face-eating killer in the world... It turns out that he has amnesia after the fact and can't remember what he did to his wife. So it kind of presents this concept that maybe what happened is that she self-censored her brain. Like, she actually edited out the memory as a child to explain the death of her sister. Now, the movie doesn't actually outright confirm this ever. It's just kind of there for us to sort of like maybe maybe figure out and sort of decide for ourselves that that's what happened um the movie does have a villain there's like a big guy who is the killer who to inspired it to do this or or whatever but um she, she like it's this like thing she gets really emotional watching the film and she vomits in the bathroom afterwards 
And it's like, okay. And up until this point, I'm really into the movie because I'm liking everything it's sort of suggesting and everything it's putting out there. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right. Uh, it maybe puts it a little bit on the nose when she talks to her coworker afterwards and the guy's kind of like, because she says, hey, why do you think that like, that killer can't remember what he did? And he's like, hey, it's amazing what the human brain can edit. And I'm like, oh, don't spell it out to me. Like, don't, 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 don't explain the, the the censorship of someone's brain uh, with their psyche to your censorship. Don't don't make it that obvious to me, please. Like, I already got it. I already got the connection. You don't have to like actually use the terminology. But I mean, how how were you feeling up until this point? Like, how did you like all of this like setup with the the film and the mystery of wait how like how how does this look like my memory? How does this look like my past? The first third of the movie. I really liked and I thought that it kind of the way that it would split between her memories and the waking world almost I don't know why but it kind of reminded me of Possessor the I don't know why it reminded me of Possessor because it wasn't exactly the same type of transition style maybe because it's just two different realities mm-hmm. her memory and and what's happening now and also um when she was talking to her parents I found that engaging when they were having like I don't remember whether it was tea or dinner, but they were talking and and sort of not talking at the same time because their parents were trying to avoid the subject. Yeah. And she's trying to reintroduce the subject. I thought that had me. And then the middle part of the movie was a little bit dull and it didn't, it didn't pick back up for me until she went to go see, I believe he was the producer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miko Smelly's character, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the, the first, like... I think there's some nice transitions, like you say. There's a nice thing where it'll kind of like, like it'll go from like a a fuzzy VHS to reality mm-hmm. by like sort of fading into it, and that's that's kind of a nice like transition. Uh, there's a lot little flourishes like that. There's a lot of little just character moments for her. Like there's a scene like early on where she's like on the train and she's listening to like a a couple who are arguing with each other, mm-hmm. um, and it just really sets up the world she's in quite well, um. But obviously, this like this like experience of seeing this movie, she's like, okay, who's this director? Like, why does he seem to like know what happened to me as a kid? Um, honestly, the thing that I'd compare it to more than anything, there's a a movie that Denis Villeneuve made, uh, mm-hmm. starring Jake Gyllenhaal called Enemy, and the plot of that movie is oh, that he yeah. he rents a movie and he sees himself in it, and it, it, the movie becomes about him trying to find this doppelganger, like who is this guy who looks exactly like me. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all a bit of that in here. Uh, she actually goes to like a video rental store and she's looking at you know some of the the happy romantic movies that are uh which is actually one of the things that the movie maybe could have made more a point of is that it doesn't really i think you see like some people watching a cartoon at one point but the truth is is that the bbfc have to classify everything that gets released not just the horror movies so it's all i almost think there could have been a bit of comedy like maybe there's another department where they, they do all the kids films so they're all just happy and like Oh, we mm-hmm. watched the the latest Disney film today, and it it, it, it got a PG or it got a U. <laughs> uh, I use a G, uh, basically, mm-hmm. just to, for for US rating comparison. Um, but she's at a video store and she's looking at stuff, and she sees like someone come in, and someone has got like a sort of punk haircut, it's the eighties, and the, the the guy at the counter like takes it and puts it underneath the counter, and she's like, "All right, okay, I'm going to go up and like." Yeah, because this is before the internet where you could just search for things if you wanted to find something dodgy. <laughs> she has to go up and be mm-hmm. like, hey, do you have uh, any of this uh, this director's previous films? I'm a, I'm a big fan. And I kind of like this scene on its own because I love that 
she convinces him that she's not like someone trying to like catch him by actually because she's seen all these like nasty films through her job she's actually able to say hey my favorite's this movie with this scene and she sort of describes a couple of scenes and it's enough to make him sort of go okay all right i'll believe you uh yeah i've got one of this guy's movies and he gives her this tape now i will say that this movie this this scene kind of like foreshadows the ending because he says the last like 10 minutes are taped over with a different film and i'm like oh that's going to happen like that's going to happen at the end of this movie we're going to get like a different thing at the end Mm -hmm. and we kind of do uh it's more metaphorical because it kind of becomes her fantasy that's the last 10 minutes but that's effectively what happens at the end of the movie is that the last 10 minutes have been taped over with uh, her fake world versus Mm -hmm. reality but I i like that touch uh, but she watches the movie and this is the part that really made me think of enemy is because she sees this woman this actress in the film that she's convinced is her sister who has now grown up and is now an actress in these exploitation movies and is determined to find her and that because and this is where the movie i think slows down for me is where she's investigating she's getting the address the producer or she's trying to tell her parents i i, I really like didn't have the patience for the scene where she's telling her parents that she's found her sister in this movie because mm-hmm. it just, like, I know how this scene's going to go. I know they're not going to believe her. There was nothing in it that made it engaging to me because I just, I, I felt like I knew where it was going the whole time. So it was just awkward to watch. Like, mm-hmm. she she looks deranged. She looks psychotic. She looks like she's losing it. Um, And that wasn't that fun to watch. S- same with uh, the other co-workers noticing her looking a bit more disheveled and being a little bit more neurotic and, like, clearly obsessed with something. Uh, th- Those scenes, I felt were a, a bit more of a, I don't know, just just not not a chore, but like there wasn't like enough of a, a twist on them to to give me like anything to really enjoy about them. But part, I mean, part of that may just be taste, because I've seen these things done enough before. I don't know why I'm jumping ahead, but there's a scene that I quite like. You know, I, I mentioned it earlier, but when she goes to meet the producer, I really thought the movie was going to pick up more than it did. It still ended pretty well, but when she went to go see the producer, and he basically sexually harasses her until he has an accident. I thought that was shot really well. Um, I also liked, like that actor really sold that character. Oh yeah, I almost I mean, feel like there was a, mis- a mismatching because the actress who plays the main character, she wasn't as strong an actress as he was an actor. I thought she was okay, but no, you're right. Like, uh, I think um, Michael Smiley, because I, I think it's one of those things where I don't think the movie is overly about like sexism or like mm-hmm. the the time period because like obviously it's a very different time but it does it does kind of like feel like it's of that time where he is openly kind of pervy to her immediately like he immediately says oh who's this little treat that works for you I mean that's not the exact line but he says something like that where he's immediately kind of flirty with her and says oh I didn't realize your staff were so photogenic and he mm-hmm. and like even as he's walking away he he doesn't like quiet his voice as he, t- as he says to like the boss he's like oh she's quite lovely that one or, you know, he's, he's, he's very creepy and like like objectifies her immediately um but like you say she, she finds his address goes to his house and he's like oh you came to my house so I, I don't blame him completely for thinking that she might be interested in him because she did just randomly show up at his house unannounced mm-hmm. like that is a bit forward <laughs> It is. Now we know she's a trying to investigate. Like, where is this director? Because he might he might have kidnapped my sister as a child, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that's what she's really doing. 
but he does try to make a move and like sort of gets up on her face she tries to push him away and he goes you show up at my house you little prick tease and she pushes him mm-hmm. away and he falls on his he's got a trophy he's got a trophy mm-hmm. from like some horror like awards thing in america where it's like a, a like a, a woman holding an axe as the trophy so he falls on this trophy so that this axe statue is like sticking out of his mouth it's like you know we've all seen the the, the death in a movie where they fall and hit the back of their head but this is like no the statue went right through his head and is sticking out of his mouth it, it, i mean it's a fun death i'm not gonna lie yeah it, it definitely was <laughs> and he's enough of a creep that it's like yeah okay like i'm on board for him earning this uh it's it's, it's a fun moment but she finds out that the the movie, there's a new movie being made, a sequel to this previous film, starring this actress with this director, being made in the forest. She goes to the forest. The hair and makeup woman mistakes her for an actress who was meant to show up and mm-hmm. like puts her in a gown, gets her hair all ready. And she meets the director, and it's this kind of like shady moment where the like you can't see his face because all the bright lights are shining on her face. And he's trying to like get her to be passionate and she, she isn't at first, but then when she starts talking about her sister, like, she starts to, like, show some emotion. So he's like, yes, that's it. Cling to that. And we get a scene that's at the same cabin, which is a lot like the one that she remembers from being a kid. And she sees this actress, who she thinks is her sister, and she sees the, the big killer dude who she thinks is the one who kidnapped her, or at least, like, in her head. So all of this is warped. All of this is, like, this doesn't quite make sense, but it's all in her kind of mind. It's all her... And one of the things that the movie does here that I really liked is that as she arrives at this film set, the aspect ratio gradually comes in. Like, it gradually gets less weight. There's the black bars that start to just slowly come in until it's 4 by 3 in the middle. And it gets more VHS looking. And they start to fill in the scene where she's in the scene, the, the actress is screaming, the big monstrous, monstrous guy is acting all scary. But then... She grabs an axe, does her main character, and she whacks the the big guy in the chest, and then everyone... It's like a record scratch, where all of a sudden it goes back to being widescreen. Mm-hmm. And, every, and then the director walks in, and, and even though we didn't see them before, all of a sudden there's like a sound guy with a boom mic, and there's like someone with the camera and the light, and the actress, who she thinks is her sister, is like, what did you just do? What did you do to, you know, Jimmy, or whatever his name is, like whoever the actor is who mm-hmm. plays the big guy? And... Probably in the weirdest part of the movie, there's there's like a face that appears in the wound of of the the actor, like where the axe wound is. There's like an eye and a yeah. face that talks to her, and then she hacks him with the axe again, and everyone's horrified and they're like, "What did you do? What did you do?" And the actress runs away. The the would be sister runs away. Alice Lee run, runs away, and Enid decapitates the director, who tries to like. You know, who because before he seemed really mysterious because it was all from her perspective and it was all in her head and now mm-hmm. it's the real world it's went back to widescreen he comes across as more of a normal director now he's just a normal guy he's like what did you do this is shocking what did you do to jimmy what did you do and then she hacks his head off it goes back to four by three to show we're back in her head back in her delusion and it stays that way for the rest of the movie basically right until the final shot where all of it's in her head Alice ran away being scared, screaming that she's not her sister. But then the delusion takes over again. We go back to four by three and Alice is now smiling, saying, thank you for saving me, sister. 
and it's like this happy delirious thing in the in the woods and then we get a sequence where she takes her back to her parents and there's a rainbow there's a literal rainbow above the house mm-hmm. And it's all happy and sweet music's playing and it's the fuzzy VHS thing. But every so often, it glitches like like it's been taped over something else. And that, that's kind of where I get back to saying that scene in the video store mm-hmm. foreshadowed this this like sort of technique where you see the thing from underneath, which is actually reality, where her, her parents are screaming in horror, where this actress, who presumably she's kidnapped, presumably Eden, and, uh, or sorry, Enid, has, has kidnapped this actress and taking her to her parents. And Enid, like, turns and smiles, and they're all smiling, like, it's the fake happy smiles that they're all been forced to smile. And then it cuts back to widescreen, and it's the, the tape comes out of the VCR, and it says Censor in the Spine is the title, and then it's the mm-hmm. credits. Uh, it's wild because it's almost ironic because she became a censor because she's you know, believes that, you know, horror movies are the bane of people's existence and they create violence and violent criminals and yet she ends up being the most violent person and on the one hand it's like well does this prove her right because she had to watch all those horror movies or was she like this already and then or well it implies that she was like this already um and that she might have been the one that killed her sister and then she's just blaming seeing these horror movies and then also what speaks to her psyche is that during the ending sequence, when she's driving the, the actress as her sister home on the radio, you hear the radio announcer saying all horror movies have been banned and um, all crime is at all time low. Yeah. And there hasn't been any murder or anything since horror movies have been banned. And then you see the rainbow <laughs> come up behind her and you're like, okay, this is definitely all in her head. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that's the delusion, right? Is that it's comparing mm-hmm. her just pretending and censoring her own mind both as, as a child with whatever she did to her sister. And I, th- mm. I think at the end of the movie, like it feels pretty lightly that she did kill her sister, given that mm. she's this deranged and she's like this warped and she's doing all this stuff now. There's enough evidence at the end where it cuts back to reality underneath just a little bit to show their horror that she is this psychotic. Uh, but all that stuff on the radio that you mentioned with the, like, all crime is a low and all horror movies are banned... I, th- I think that's the comparison to the world, which is, oh yes, if we ban all horror movies and anything with violence in it, all of a sudden there'll be no criminals, there'll be no murder, everything will be a happy, mm-hmm. you know, uh, serene utopia where there's mm-hmm. no sadness. And I think that really creepy last shot of her smiling at the camera before mm-hmm. the tape ends and we get the title of the movie is just kind of like, no, this is what we get. We we pretend that everything's okay. Mm-hmm. And the horror is still there. It's still underneath. Uh, so, you know, th- this movie in no way is critiquing horror movies. Uh, it's critiquing this deluded belief that if you just, like, mm-hmm. shut them in a corner somewhere and, put you know, put some tape over them that no one will know and therefore everyone will be fine and everyone will be happy. And, you know, by an extension of that, like, obviously some horror is trashy, some is not, and some is great, and some is psychological and has a lot to say about, you know, psych- the human psyche and or society, or whatever. But the idea that horror is important because it lets those who like it, those who view it, and those who make it, to explore concepts and the darker side of our brains and explore these ideas and accept the harshness of things in the world and explore them through horror, 
is an important part of of art right not just horror mm-hmm. but you know horror specifically in this case is that you know we deal with uh social issues we deal with the the real horrors of the world whether it be on a mass scale with with wars or or horrible political decisions that 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 like oppress entire you know groups of people mm-hmm. a lot of that is explored and catharsis is found through art and expression of that and horror is very good at the metaphor of dealing with that so when you start this movie with actual clips of margaret thatcher and she did a lot of horrible things in her time and power uh you know not related to movies obviously you know we talk about the video nasties because it's more directly related to horror movies but you know she had a lot of awful policies very conservative that you know did a number on a lot of people if you ask anyone who was alive or an adult through that time when she was like prime minister you know they'll they'll have some big strong opinions on her like they they will especially like scotland by by and large hates her like when she died a few years ago there was like cheering in the streets like people were just oh wow delighted she was dead um (laughs) like that that's the sort of legacy that she left behind um with with her policies and I think that the idea that you pretend, and obviously I'm, we're talking about Margaret Thatcher because that's what the movie mm-hmm. kind of brings up, but, you know, a- any type of uh, conservative side of politics that tries to pretend the issues aren't there, that there is mm-hmm. no problem with certain things, does not make it true. It just means that you're living in a fantasy where that problem isn't there. But it actually is. Those real horrors are still happening. Um just because you pretend there isn't entirely swaths of people who are falling victim to society failing them, whether it be through, you know, mm-hmm. healthcare, social care, uh, economic, like problems, whatever it may be. And I, I'm getting really big with the concepts here, but mm-hmm. all of it boils well, down to what censorship kind of is like a a little window of, which is mm-hmm. we're going to pretend that these real issues aren't there. So by cutting out and not acknowledging the, the things, we, we've eliminated it. No, you haven't. They're all still happening. They're all still there. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, um, yeah. So. On what you said about um, horror movies exploring like societal ills, and sometimes they could even be parables. And we've been doing this for hundreds of years, because when you think about it, something as simple as like Little Red Riding Hood, that's a horror story. It's a story about a little girl who goes to see her grandmother and is instead <laughs> attacked by a wolf. Like that's a horror story, but it was used through time to teach, you know, children about, I guess some people theorize that it's to teach children about stranger danger, that type of thing. Or the original story of the little mermaid, that's a horror story. Yeah. Like Disney made it have a happy ending, but it didn't have a happy ending. <laughs> yeah. And likewise, this, this movie you could argue is a parable, uh, warring yeah. against the dangers of delusion and, and the dangers mm-hmm. of, of not accepting uh, what is, both on a personal level for the main character, but both on a larger society level, which is, you know, mm-hmm. the act of censorship from a government level, what that does. So uh, there's a lot of really great things that it's tapping into. There's a, lot, it's a great setting to have a horror movie be around someone in this role in this time period is really fascinating. Uh, but I don't know, and I think the direction is really strong. I think the director's got a good eye. She she mm-hmm. has a lot of really nice visuals in this. There's a lot of really nice moments. That final shot of her smiling at the camera, uh, Enid, that is mm-hmm. is so good. Um, 
but yeah it does sag enough in the middle where i'm not into the investigation that much that it, it does suffer a bit unfortunately and doesn't quite get to like really good status but it is commendable as far as the first effort goes and it, you know, much like with Slack's last episode, I, I would recommend people check it out and see if you like it. Because some people do like it more than us. Like, I've definitely seen Buzz for this, and it's connected oh, with yeah. some people. And it does, to me, to, um, to a point. But there is definitely some pacing and some just... I don't know, just the, the actual investigation that the character has to do uh, kind of feels a little dull once it gets going. Um, but... Uh, it swings back around for the last like 10-15 minutes but unfortunately when you get to that point at the end like if you've if you've not been engaged the whole time you've, you've kind of lost a little bit of the luster by that point even mm-hmm. if you do like the ending so it's a shame that I don't love it it's a shame that it didn't quite click with me completely but um, I, I do think it is worth checking out and I do think it has some great ideas and there's some nice execution there's a good directorial eye I think this director maybe want to watch in the future but uh, I agree there you go um, what are you rating censor? I know they're going to get on me about this in the comments, but I'm I'm going to say 6.5. And they're going to say, but you gave Slacks. I know. <laughs> but I can see myself re-watching Slacks for fun. This one I don't see myself re-watching. Yeah. Um, this is tough. Yeah. I I think I agree with 6.5. I think I'm going to go with 6.5. Um, I, I, I think I... <sighs> Cause I yeah that's six point I'll, yeah I'll, 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 I'm I'm overthinking it right six point five let's just say six point five I'll leave it there six point five I th- I think it is got a lot of great ideas and I think it's is almost at that point where I really was going to really really like it and as it is it's more conflicted because I I didn't love it all the way through but uh, a censor uh, so and and I'm um for it to be a uh directorial debut that's really good i'm looking forward to seeing what this director does next because i mean i'm i'm pretty sure that things will improve or she might end up with a project where that's has a little bit better writing because i don't want to give her all the fault because part of the part of the lull in the middle is more due to the writing than the direction i mean she did co-write the script as well so that's not mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> take all the blame oh, okay. from well, her. Then, yeah. <laughs> then you got to take a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, I, it's a hard thing to uh, quantify sometimes, but um, yeah. So, you know, sags a bit in the middle, unfortunately, but uh, I do dig a lot of what, what it's doing. I, I think it's because like it's very clear at a certain point like that it's a psychological movie. So it's almost a little bit dull to see her have to interact with her parents and others once once we're past that point where she's trying to convince them that something's happening. Because I'm like, all right, just like, okay, we're already off the deep end with her. We can already see where it's going. I, I don't necessarily need to go through these beats of like them reacting to her a little bit. I, I find that a little bit tiring at times. Uh, maybe if there's a different spin on it or something, I don't know. But uh, the movie does fall a little bit victim to that. But hey, oh, there you go. That's Censor. Uh, so by all means, let us know what you think of Censor in the comments below. Like and subscribe, ding the bell for notifications, all those things do help out on YouTube a lot. That's why all YouTubers tell you to do it, because it helps uh, grow the, the, the channel and the success, so please do hit those buttons. Uh, you can also, of course, uh, rate us on your audio podcast app of choice, five stars with a review. It does help out us a lot on there as well to spread the audio version of the show. And of course, uh, you can support us on patreon.com slash TV for as little as $1 per month. 
and get some bonuses, including an extra episode once a month, um, as well as uh, voting rights at one of the higher tiers and all that sort of stuff. And at the one of the highest tiers, of course, you can become a Patreon producer. So let me thank this month's Patreon producers uh, of Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Bordenow, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley. Uh, they are Patreon producers for the month of September. Uh, so thank you very much to all of those names once again. Uh, but uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Screams Midnight. Uh, that all your male fuzz movies related tweet tweeting twittering twittering can be found there. Uh, Shasha, would you like to promote your channel before I completely lose my mind? As as always, you can find me on what I just watch. I don't know why I'm drawing. A, I know I'm drawing a blank because I'm like super tired. And I'm starting to conk out. Okay, <laughs> take two. As always, you can find me at What Did I Just Watch, and I'm continuing on with my requested, suggested review month. And going into October, I will be bringing back the cosplay reviews. So stay tuned for that. Isn't it cute? Everyone that Shasha said take two there, like she's expecting me to edit out the the bad oh. take. <laughs> Because that's what I would do on my channel. I edit. I edit so much. I will edit out every time I say um. I mean, I, I edit out stuff if if need be, but like, I sound like an idiot often enough in this show. Don't think I'm editing out. You sound like an idiot for ten seconds before you <laughs> recalibrate yourself. Well, at least they know I tried to improve. <laughs> there was an effort made. It, it, this is this is not. I mean, I'll edit things out if I need to be, but this is not an edited show. This is a podcast discussion. So, mm-hmm. you you accept your blunders for the most part, mm-hmm. and you roll with them. That's that's how that's how we roll. This is a this is a human show where we, they see the vulnerability and the mm-hmm. and the silliness of everything, and that includes us making a tit of ourselves. Uh, <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> take two like she expects me to edit this how dare she <laughs> giving me work madness absolute madness um is there anything you'd like to add before I give the no final that, outro? that's it uh, I, I would just say i would suggest this movie if you like possessor if you like saint maud you're probably gonna like this too yeah i don't think it's as good as either of those no no i i agree because i i really like possessor and i really like saint maud mm-hmm. so uh, I'd say they're both great movies, whereas this is this is good, but with you know some some I guess uh, like first time or growing pains that mm-hmm. I'd maybe say put along with it. But uh, I know a lot of people are even more positive than we are. Though some people don't agree with that. Some people think it's just a great movie. Uh, mm-hmm. So by all means, check it out, find out for yourself. Uh, you know, it's not it's not one that I'm saying oh avoid at all costs. It's a train wreck because it's not. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's got a lot of good qualities and a lot of good ideas. So check it out. Uh, but there you go, that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching scary movies. And if you see someone wearing the sacred mask, repeat to yourself, hockey season ended months ago. Hockey season ended months ago.